Welcome to Electric Enthusiasm, the podcast, the podcast, podcast, <laughs> the podcast where we celebrate unironic bacon. I'm Katie Koval, and I can speak English. I promise. Sometimes, <laughs> occasionally, I try. Oh, that was amazing. Uh, I'm I'm Alexander Kiev, and I bacon is my favorite thing in the world. So I'm glad we're now doing a podcast and not a podcast. <laughs> So, Alex, can you tell us how in the ham does this podcast podcast work? Yeah, I can. Uh, in the meantime, I will be trying to think of more pork-related uh, puns. Yeah. Um, in each episode, one of us presents a topic that they love, but that the other one of us knows little or nothing about, and then tries their damn hardest to spread their enthusiasm to the other host and to you, the listener. Sometimes we have guests on who are super excited about something we know nearly nothing about. And then we have the moment of meta, where we become very silly sausages and nerd out about enthusiasm <laughs> itself, and talk about why it matters and how you can live a more chorizo life. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! You went whole hog on that one, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> yeah, you did. Because we think the world needs more enthusiasm, and you should share your enthusiasm with us on our website, electricenthusiasm.com. Or our Instagram at Electric Enthusiasm. Tell us what you're excited about these days. You can even plain old send us an email at hello at electricenthusiasm.com. Yeah, yeah. Given today's topic uh, is uh, kind of Jewish. Yeah, that's I think true. it's it's interesting that we went with kind a pork. Kind of Jewish. <laughs> Aggressively Jewish. I mean, Mel Brooks would be offended if you said that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think much of anything offends him. Do you? Do you? I think calling him not that Jewish would be quite offensive. <laughs> I can definitely see that. Yeah, there's okay. Strongly Jewish. Yes. Strongly Jewish. Yes. Yes. Um, also, very amusing. As someone who like abstains from eating meat about eighty percent of the time, like hilarious that we talked about pork so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so today we're not talking about meat. In fact, we're talking about the Mel Brooks film Spaceballs. Yes. I feel like if somebody like were to say like, hey, we have like a young woman in her 30s and a Gen Xer grew up in the 80s. Who who is a likely person to present a topic like Spaceballs? I don't think they'd pick me. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. That is probably more my my time period, my epochal area. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And yet. And, and yet, yet. Here, here we, we are. are. Here we, here we are. <laughs> We spend too much time together. Uh, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> um, I think this is just evidence that, like with my episode on Weird Al, I just like spoof comedy from the 80s. I mm -hmm. think that's what that is. I just, mm -hmm. that is that mm -hmm. is a genre I deeply enjoy. Mm -hmm. It is awesome. Yeah, it is. So what do you know about Spaceballs, considering the fact that you're probably the person who actually was a teenager when it came out? Yeah, so I've seen it, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a long, long time since I've seen it. Mm -hmm. uh, I liked it. It's it's funny. It's very Mel Brooks. Okay. Uh, but everything Mel Brooks does is very Mel Brooks. Like he has a recognizable style that is all his, right? Yes. Um, I know nothing about it. Yes. Uh, so yeah, blank slate. Excellent. That is that is what we love to hear on the podcast here. Like you, I, I actually saw growing up, both my parents are super nerds. I grew up watching Star Wars and Star Trek. And so I had all of that sci-fi 
understanding. Mm-hmm. And so then as like a preteen, I think, we watched Spaceballs and I fell in love. I loved it. <laughs> Spaceballs surprisingly had, is a huge hit with kids. It's a very yeah. kid-friendly show despite the incredible amount of sexual innuendo. Um, yes. <laughs> and so like as a kid, I loved this film. Uh, and I watched it like every now and then growing up. And one of the joys of this podcast, as we've discussed before, is that your enthusiasm for something grows when you look into it. Um, yes. And there is so much cool stuff behind the scenes <laughs> in this film. How old would you have been the first time you saw it? So quite like many things in this world, I have no memory of when I first watched Spaceballs or when I first heard of its existence. For mm-hmm. me, Spaceballs has just always been part of my universe. Mm-hmm. And there has never been a time before Spaceballs. Okay. Okay. It's like Star Wars. I don't remember the first time I saw Star Wars, but Star Wars has always been part of my universe. Mm-hmm. Here on the podcast, we like to start with the facts first, Katie. So what exactly should a person know about Spaceballs? So Spaceballs is from 1987. It's an American space opera parody film co-written, produced, and directed by, and also copious cameos by, Mel Brooks. (laughs) (laughs) The film stars unknown actor at the time, Bill Pullman. Despite the fact that they wanted to have somebody like Tom Cruise in the role, they Mm -hmm. couldn't get anyone like superstars interested, so they picked an absolute nobody. Uh, Bill mm-hmm. Pullman. But then they also had super mega stars of the 80s. Oh, yes, of the 80s. Uh, John Candy and Rick Moranis starring yep. in the roles and yep. includes the voice of legendary Joan Rivers. Ooh. When it comes to making a parody of one of the greatest films of cinema history, the only mm-hmm. way to do it is to make sure you have a jam packed talented cast and crew which is what Mm -hmm. Mel Brooks got the cast and crew themselves share more than 20 Academy Awards and nominations holy crap yeah for like a dumb spoof movie for a dumb spoof isn't that insane (laughs) wow it is considered to be a massive cult classic Mm -hmm. Um, and in case you're wondering I was wondering this as well did they get George Lucas's blessing (laughs) yeah they did did they they did, they really? They actually, uh, Mel Brooks sent George Lucas a script before going into production. Wow. So they had, they had his blessing. Wow. Mm-hmm. I would not have thought. He strikes me as the guy who takes himself a little too seriously, maybe. I know, right? Um, yeah. But he'd seen Blazing Saddles, another Mel Brooks production, uh, and loved yeah. it. And so he thought it would be okay. There was a awesome. caveat, but we'll get into that later. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Reminds me a little bit of Weird Al, right? Very much so. And his spoof songs, and now there's a spoof movie, but he also does get permission from the original yeah. Uh, artist. And yeah, kind of like, yeah. I, I like, like the that. respect of that. Like, yes. you, you you give respect to the originator. And also, there's a documentary, a making of um, Spaceballs. In that mm-hmm. film, they, they often talk about this idea that you can't parody something if you don't love it. Sure. And I think this is true for Weird Al. This is true for Mel Brooks. Like, y- you have to love sci-fi you have to love sci-fi tropes star wars you have to love that and know it really well in order Mm -hmm. to spoof it yeah like you can't make a parody of something you don't care about no well you could but it'd probably be very mean or just very uninteresting yeah and it wouldn't it wouldn't work awesome so why are we talking about space balls today because i love it obviously (laughs) But also because you talked about aliens and like a lot of the reasons why I know anything about aliens is because of Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yep. 
yeah, just shows the impact of ali- of the alien movies. As yeah, well. like the fact yeah. that it was spoofed means it's a very like it's something that it's in the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, like you can't pull a spoof off if it's not popular. Nope. You shared a lot of Roger Ebert's reviews and quotes, um, and so I thought I'd I'd, I'd share <laughs> one. So this is Roger <laughs> Ebert's review of Spaceballs for the Chicago Sun Times, and as you can mm-hmm. see, he really really loved this film. Uh, <laughs> 2.5 stars out of 4 saying I enjoyed a lot of the movie but I kept thinking I was at a revival it should have been made several years ago before our appetite for Star Wars satires had been completely exhausted yeah he was a huge fan I can tell <laughs> he really loved it <laughs> loved it so much yeah yeah. so like when Star Wars came out it was such a huge cultural phenomenon that there was loads of parodies and there was loads of things coming out at the time. But I would argue, based off the fact that it is now a cult classic and the fact that mm-hmm. it's still referred to today, Spaceballs is the one. It's the oh, yeah. one that's at the test of time. Has there been a Star Wars parody since then? Possibly, but I don't know about it. Do you? I, I don't think so. The whole industry was like, nope, can't be done any better. No reason <laughs> to try. We're, we're, we're going to stick with this one, right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I have four reasons why I think Spaceballs is incredible, and I would like to share those four reasons with you. We have a list. We, we love a list. list. We love a list. <laughs> We're enthusiastic about this. <laughs> okay, so number one, the reason why I think this film is incredible is the visuals and the effects. Oh, yeah. Like, I don't think, because it's a parody film, I think we often don't give it the credit that it deserves. But visually, this film is cohesive. In terms of the effects, it is the same quality of effect as Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And I mean this literally because do you know who they hired to do the visual effects for this film? Nope. Industrial Light and Magic. (laughs) George Lucas's own visual effects company. They did the effects. That is hilarious. Um, In fact... They did about $5 million worth of effect shots, and the film <laughs> itself has 267 VFX shots. Like, oh, that's awesome. It's insane. Um, and we love a miniature. We love mm-hmm. a miniature on this yeah, we show. Do. And yeah, we do. I'm just going to put some images in the chat for you. Mm-hmm. But you can see there is some really hilarious content in this world of the visual effects stuff because it was all miniatures. Mm-hmm. Which meant wow. that <laughs> I just really like the one of the guy with the Winnebago <laughs> in the sand. Yeah. Um. So you can see, like, this stuff is really cool. I don't know. I think this stuff is super cool. That is super cool. Also, just the whole idea of a Winnebago in space. Yes, I mean, that is just incredibly classic. dumb and incredibly uh, fun. Yeah. Um. Another thing that I love is that the space pod ejection sequence. It's a visual effects shot where you see the space pods ejecting from inside the spaceship going out into space. Mm -hmm. Um, That shot was made by ILM originally for A New Hope. No way. But they didn't use it in A New Hope. And so they were (laughs) like, well, we've made this shot. Like, let's just give it to Spaceballs. Wow. And so when I say the quality of the effects were literally Star Wars level, I mean literally Star Wars level. Wow. That is hilarious. I love that. They also had one of the biggest and probably the most um, intense blue screens of the period in the giant spaceball ship when they're looking out into the vista. They have a 30 
five foot high and 135 foot wide blue screen. And it was one of the yeah. largest blue screens ever attempted at the time. And it was Holy for space shit. balls. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I love it when you take parody seriously and you're like, yes, we're spoofing something, but we're going to do it right. We're going to get good actors. We're going to get good visuals. We're going to put some effort into this, not some like uh, low, low effort shit posting exactly. movie. Exactly. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, we're going to get into more what I call the fuckery later. But a small <laughs> example of the fuckery um, is that the VFX team pranked the entire cast and crew by saying that the blue screen was so dangerous for your eyesight. In order to look at it, you have to wear special yellow glasses. <laughs> Uh, and so there's loads of photos of behind the scenes, particularly there's a photo of Mel Brooks standing in front of the blue screen wearing these yellow tinted glasses, uh, which were completely unnecessary. You did not need them. Best practical joke ever. It's just like these little things, these little things. Yeah. Another aspect that I think is really beautiful is the costuming. I mm -hmm. think the costumes are absolutely gorgeous in this film and they're so interesting and weird and like the structural aspects of them, like you think about the Spaceballs helmets. Mm -hmm. Like, they're really interesting silhouettes. Like, mm -hmm. from a fashion perspective, like, one, it's stupid. It's hilarious. They're little cup shoulder pieces. But, like, from a visual perspective, it's really beautiful. So, mm -hmm. Don Feld, all one word, the icon that he is, did all the costuming. And I found his original sketches. Yeah. And they are beautiful they look like illustrations from a comic book or something they're so cool holy crap so i like how dot's hair changed so much but you yeah. can't tell me that's not gorgeous that is amazing i mean first of all that's great art he's just a great artist true and those concepts could have been part of a serious sci-fi movie and that's the thing like people were playing it so straight Daphne, who played uh, Princess Vespa, when she originally auditioned, she was really concerned that she wouldn't be able to play the character because mm -hmm. she wasn't sure if she was that kind of broad comedy actress, if she was that slapstick. But Mel Brooks was like, no, play her straight. Mm -hmm. Play her earnestly. Play her genuinely. Yeah. That is where the comedy of this is going to come from. And that's the thing. Uh... Everyone had that mindset. Every cast mm -hmm. and crew member, all of, all of it was like, we're going to play it straight. We're going to play it like this is real. And that's what's going to be the funniest option. Right. I can see that. Mm. Yeah. The visuals of this film are absolutely incredible. It was considered an effect film for its time. Films that were really heavy on visual effects are called oh, yeah, effect sure. films. And this is one of the most Got expensive it. effect films of the era. <laughs> um, because of the incredibly oh. high quality visual effects that do stand up the test of time because it's miniatures and we love miniatures. And mm -hmm. like the visual cohesiveness of all of the costuming, all of the structured garments. To create all of that is insane. If we think about Barf, John Candy's character, mm -hmm. he had like a battery pack built into the back of his costume to make yeah. the animatronics of his ears work. Ah. So he had in his glove <laughs> a small controller to be able to move the tail. His ears <laughs> were radio controlled by two technicians <laughs> off camera. Like... This is high-tech shit. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Wow. And it's difficult to do, and they pulled it off incredibly well. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite bonus stories about Dark Helmet's helmet, one of the exciting things about this helmet is not only is it visually 
really impressive that they've created this giant helmet, but also mm-hmm. it was functional. Like Rick Moranis is not a huge dude. This is a massive fucking helmet. And he was able to <laughs> yeah. walk around the space, behave in the space, and also be a dick to his fellow co-stars as examples <laughs> in this clip. Everybody got that? Rick would try and break me up just before we would do a take, but he'd drop the visor. Never have that damn thing down in front of me! So he could laugh his little took us off, and no one knew. And I'm ruining the take because I'm laughing, and all I see are his little knees shaking a little bit. That's all because his helmet was down. I wanted that helmet. I wanted that. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Holy shit, that's amazing! You gotta have the helmet, man. You gotta, you gotta have, have the helmet. helmet. Also, the, the, the visor slamming down. This is yes, hilarious. It's so good. <laughs> okay, so that's my first reason. Visually awesome, really awesome effects. So cool. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's been a long time since I've seen it, but some of the visuals are stuck in my mind. Mm-hmm. Like the opening scene of the, the huge ship just yep. passing by like for three minutes or nothing. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Winnebago in space, the, the Hoover sucking out the air from the planet, uh, all of that is just, you know, some of those visuals are so effective. They actually stick in my mind. Yep. Even many years after I've, I last watched, I've got to, I've got to watch it. I also time. totally forgot to say pizza, the hut, uh-huh. that's actual pizza. No way. Yeah. It was, it was a huge issue. <laughs> so what happened was they had a visual effects guy inside the pizza, the hut puppet, puppeting it. Mm-hmm. And they mm-hmm. had the cheese pizza on it. And so they had it wired up to conduct heat to make sure yeah. the cheese melted and bubbled <laughs> and stuff. Like, that's real. That's actually happening. That's it's practical effects. Alex, Alex, I don't think you're appreciating how insane this is. No, no. This actual cheese and it was melting like on heated. the actual costume. It was heated. And so wow. after a couple of takes, it starts smoking. And the effects guy inside the costume was like, uh, nope, I, I'm out. I'm done. I'm, I don't want to be inside this thing anymore. And he refuses to go back into the costume. So they had to like bully another part of the effects team to go inside the costume. So Pizza the Hut is voiced by somebody, but like puppeted by two different people because one person was like, I'm not going to die in this thing. <laughs> On the other hand, death by cheese. I mean, not not the worst way to go right but death by pizza the hut is definitely the worst way to go <laughs> yeah yeah that's not not a good not a good on-screen death no 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 um okay so okay reason number two why i love mm-hmm. this film is obviously because of the iconic comedy moments that it has given us mm-hmm. so i've got two clips of i think possibly the two most iconic moments of this thing. I'm having trouble with the radar, sir. What's wrong with it? I've lost the bleeps, I've lost the sweeps, and I've lost the creeps. The what? The what? And the what? You know, the bleeps. (laughs) (laughs) Sweeps. Oh, man. And the creeps. The creeps. (laughs) That's not all he's lost. (laughs) Sir, the radar, sir. It appears to be jammed. He's so good. He is so good. Jammed. So that is obviously Michael Winslow as the radar technician. Yeah. Uh, he yeah. is truly an iconic part of this movie and possibly one of the most quoted if people can do the noises. Yeah. You remember him from the Police Academy yes. movies, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. That, uh, funny. That is funny. It, but, also, but also dumb. Oh, incredibly it's been, stupid. It's, it's been jammed. Oh, yeah. And then the jam pouring <laughs> down the screen. 
And then the final iconic moment I would like you to look at. Sir. What? <laughs> Are we being too literal? No, you fool. We're following orders. We were told to calm the desert, so we're calming it. <laughs> Found anything yet? <laughs> Nothing yet, sir. How about you? Not a thing, sir. <laughs> what about you guys? We ain't found shit. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, that is just hilarious. I had a feeling. Combing the desert. We ain't found shit. <laughs> so good. What yeah. I, I also love, like, the small moment where Rick Moranis, Dark Helmet, uses the megaphone to talk to Colonel Sanders and mm-hmm. then does not use the megaphone to talk to the people 100 <laughs> meters away from him. Like, little things like that also. And, like, the way he has a giant sand helmet. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's yeah, so yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. This movie is, like, fractally silly. Yes. It's, it's silly on every – there's silliness inside the silliness. Yes. It's silliness all the way down. I love that. <laughs> just levels and levels of silly. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. In terms of just like shooting in the Arizona desert, that's where mm-hmm. they filmed a lot of these uh, desert sequences. Uh, mm-hmm. The woman who played the body of Dot Matrix, um, mm-hmm. that is a very uncomfortable costume to wear in the Arizona desert. I would imagine. Um, and they actually had to bake six different Dot Matrix costumes because they kept breaking. Okay. Um I also feel really bad for that woman who was inside the costume whose name is not Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers did the voice. Mm-hmm. Um, but hang on. Laureen Yarnold Jansen was mm-hmm. the mime who played the body of Dot Matrix. And mm-hmm. she was originally going to also be the voice of Dot Matrix. Uh... But she didn't have the right comedy timing for Mel Brooks. Uh... Uh, and so he brought in Joan Rivers as like kind of like a Band-Aid solution. Um, to help out. And also Joan Rivers agreed to do it without knowing anything about the film. <laughs> she just, she was just like, oh, Mel Brooks needs me. I'm in. Yeah. 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 I can see that. Yeah. Also, also kind of parallels uh, Darth Vader, right? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Except it was with Dot, the C3PO. Dot, <laughs> Dot Matrix. Still funny. Still funny. <laughs> so it has given us some truly iconic, hilarious clips of, in our time. And I just, I appreciate that. I really do. Yes. And again, can you quote a single line from any of the like modern spoof movies? No. Like the horror movies or the like epic movies movie. or scary movie, epic movie? No. No. I, me neither. But I could, I could quote like a shit ton of lines from various Mel Brooks movies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think there's an element to which they are just, I didn't want to say just, no, there's not, like, I was going to say they're better. But that's harsh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, is it is it harsh if it's true? <laughs> I think it's that they played it very earnestly, and I think mm. that's one thing I like about Mel Brooks is that he spoofs stuff. He does take the piss out of things, but he's like very earnest in his approach, and really does try and get the best people on board to create the best things. He got freaking Joan Rivers, John Candy, like Rick Moranis. He got some freaking powerful star talent in this film. Versus mm-hmm. if you look at Scary Movie or like the Epic Movie, it's not like they're not getting like talented actor, comedian, like, yeah, no. 
and and also the production values are nowhere near. No. Uh, no. 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 It is interesting how Mel Brooks enters the zeitgeist, mm-hmm. um, and and you know leaves marks in 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 the cultural conversation. He really does. Reason number three. As somebody who enjoys cinema, enjoys film, I like film that is meta. It references itself. It's aware. <laughs> And I think this is where Mel Brooks really shines as a writer. Like, he makes things very self-aware. Go. Sir, space balls. Good work, Corporal. Punch it up. (laughs) I knew we were going there. (laughs) Fast back to the world. Prepare to fast forward. Prepare to fast forward. Fast forward. Fast forwarding, sir. Also notice this is a practical effect. <laughs> yeah. Like this is a live camera view. That's how they're doing yeah. it. Would have had an actual video camera streaming the to the to the when screen in front of them. Yep. In the movie? Yeah. Now. You're looking at now, sir. Everything that happens <laughs> now is happening now. What happened to then? <laughs> when? It's now. Did We're it now now. This Go back whole to dialogue then. sequence. Now? now? No. I can't. Why? We missed <laughs> when? Just now. <laughs> when will then be now? And can we just take a moment? <sighs> that poor extra had to not laugh during that sequence. Uh, how? How? <laughs> That's my question. How do you not I laugh? Just, I don't. I just felt wow. so. I feel so strongly for that poor extra having to like be still and quiet whilst that is happening behind you. Yes, that is hilarious and very meta. It's so meta. We also yeah. have another meta moment. Um, which is just, it's so dumb. It's so, I think this is where my love of stupidity comes from. Like I have a real love of dumb things and stupid things and they're so beautiful in their own way. Mm-hmm. This one is also unavailable. Oh, it's the same company. It's the movie clips one. Okay, hang on, wait. I need to find not them. Okay. Maybe... Let me. What is it with movie clips in Denmark, eh? Let's try that. Yeah, one. I don't know. So just from the beginning. Yep. Three, two, one, go. You can already tell. You can see. If you know what you're looking for, you can see it. Yeah. Spectacular stunt, my friends. But all for naught. Turn around, not. please. Ah, what a pity. He's giving like gay SS commander. Yep. I also love that he has the giant mus- the mustache and the giant cigar. Yeah. 
Yeah, you capture their stunt doubles. We're in a movie, and he's not gonna let you forget it. Nope. Also, Mel Brooks does a lot of like fourth wall breaking, yeah, uh, talking to the camera, that kind of thing. Yeah, I love that. It's so good. And also, um, just a quick note: having a male stunt performer performing as a female role is no longer cool. Back in the eighties, it probably flew, but nowadays it's not okay. And most yeah. uh, stunts for female characters are now done by female stunt doubles. And there are some amazing female stunt doubles, so why wouldn't they? Exactly. Yeah. But I love the meta aspects of this film. I yeah. love that it's it's so aware, it's so self-referential. Um, it just makes it feel like, I don't know. It's, one, it's just, I'm very enthusiastic about it. <laughs> oh, it's great. It, it, it is great. Um, what other movies do that? The Austin Powers movies do that. Also very good films. Also very good films. Where he goes, just don't think about it too much. If I'm still frozen in 1967, how could I have been unthawed in the 90s and traveled back to, oh no, I've gone cross-eyed. I suggest you don't worry about this sort of thing and just enjoy yourself. That goes for you all too. Yes. Yeah. The fact that it's a very self-aware film, it's a parody mm. film that's self-aware, um, yeah. which I really like about it. And also it kind of leads into this idea of that earnest aspect for me is like that really comes across in the fact that they're showing you it's a movie. Mm. Even in that regard, it's still very like, this is not real. This is a stunt stubbles. This is a movie of the movie whilst we're watching the movie. That yeah. layer of, of fourth wall breaking, that layer of meta builds that for me. Oh, I can totally see that. Mm -hmm. While only adding to the funny, exactly. which I think is important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The final thing that I really love about this film is what I'm calling the fuckery. <laughs> uh huh. Which is all of the things that kind of happen behind the scenes that were really stupid. <laughs> um, so, for the first one, I would like you to tell me what is interesting about this photo. This is a still from the film. This is the mm -hmm. space diner. Um, that they go into. Can you just take a quick look at that image and tell me if you notice anything maybe interesting about that that image? Uh, uh, have, have a, have a the... quick look at the spaceships that are parked. Oh, there. there's the Millennium Falcon right there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I did not notice. Are there any other famous spaceships? No, nope, it's know? just no. the Millennium Falcon because of oh, George that's Lucas. Hilarious. Oh, man. They were negotiating to make this film. So Mel Brooks sent the script to George Lucas, and George Lucas was like, yes, you mm -hmm. are. You give my blessing. I, love, I loved Blazing Saddles, but you are not allowed to do any action figures or uh -huh. merchandising because your action uh -huh. figures are going to look like mine. Sure. <laughs> Walk this way, take a look. We put the picture's name on everything. Merchandising, merchandising. Merchandising. Where the real money from the movie is made. Spaceballs the t-shirt. Spaceballs the coloring book. Spaceballs the lunchbox. Spaceballs the breakfast cereal. Spaceballs the flamethrower. The kids love this one. Oh, 
my god. That is, and that is, of course, a commentary on Star Wars because there yep. was Star Wars cereal and Star Wars bed sheets and Star Wars everything. If you look extraordinarily closely, you can see that the comic book that they're holding up is a Transformers comic book. Yeah. So is the lunchbox and the space balls, uh-huh. the cereals, <laughs> probably just a picture of Darth Vader. Like they literally just took pre-existing merchandise and put the space balls logo on top of it. Um, because hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, because George Lucas said, please don't do any merchandising mm. that caused this entire runner. So throughout the whole film, the president <laughs> has always got space balls merch. Mm-hmm. His bedspread is a Spaceballs bedspread. Every every opportunity to have a merchandising moment within the film, like in the diner, the placemats are Spaceballs placemats. Like there's so much stupid merch they made <laughs> exclusively to feature in the film because they weren't allowed to sell it after the film. Hilarious. It's so stupid. It's so yeah. good. There's also Spaceballs branded toilet paper. Um, of course there is. The of course there is. Yes. <laughs> this level of fuckery and playfulness extended throughout the entire filmmaking process as well. A lot of the cast and crew talk about the fact that it was so much fun to film. I love that. Mel Brooks was not only really open to improvisation and ad-libbing as part of the script. There's a line where John kind of goes, Oof, that's going to hurt. That was an ad-lib. <laughs> There's loads of moments like that in the film where the actors were given creative freedom to try and make each other laugh. Mm -hmm. One of the actors said in the process of making the film, they laughed more making the film than anyone has ever laughed watching the film. (laughs) I doubt that, but that's still amazing. (laughs) Um, But there was like a sense on set of creativity and freedom and play um, that led to people having this feeling that they could try out different things. And even if that wasn't the take that they used, Mm -hmm. it allowed people to just breathe a little easier. Mel Brooks really gave them the space to be creative, to find themselves and to go bigger. He gave them as many takes as they needed. And often his direction was like, go bigger, try it harder, try it louder, try it more. There was a lot of space on set to laugh and to be silly and to be playful and to prank each other and to hide behind a helmet if you needed to. (laughs) <laughs> I love it when people have a good time making stuff that I then get to enjoy. Yes. Not that the other approach can't work. Uh, Aliens, for instance, our last episode. Yeah. Notoriously a nightmare for everybody involved, but still a masterpiece came out of it. I just prefer when people have a good time. It's just nice when people uh, have a nice time. I, th- I think so. Bill Brooks seems like a good dude. I don't know anything about him as a person, but he seems like a good guy. Sure, I'll link the documentary in our doobly-doo. Yes, but, please. But um, a lot of the people talk about him as being your favorite uncle. Yeah, uh, And I he also that. talks about that in, like when they're asked about him as well. There's a section of the documentary where they ask everyone their opinion on Mel Brooks. And my mm-hmm. absolute favorite thing is how many people said the phrase, He's a great kisser, wonderful lover, excellent in bed. Um, As if they were clearly not told to say that. Um, But pretty much. More more fuckery. Exactly. Um, Pretty much everyone talks about this idea of like he really cares about you and he really Mm -hmm. wants to make sure you're okay. And he's, whether you want him to or not, he's involved in your life and he's giving you advice. Um, <laughs> like a good uncle. Yes. Yeah, a good um, Jewish uncle. And so like he's very there for you and he's like really involved and like very much it seems like he's from everything i've seen from him so far he seems like a really good dude yeah yeah 
Oh, that's amazing. Speaking of really good dudes, I wanted to make sure that we took a moment to talk about Rick Moranis. Mm-hmm. Because I love Rick Moranis. I have a quote from George Weiner, who played Colonel Sanders. Mm-hmm. For you? He's more than a funny actor. He's very creative. I always thought he would make a fantastic director, says George Weiner. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Did he ever? Uh, well, that's the thing. In 97, Moranis took a break from acting because his wife passed away. And he wanted to make sure that his kids had a dad. Mm-hmm. So he wow. made the very difficult decision to take a step back and be a full-time father. He didn't appear in a live-action film for over 20 years. Wow. He did voiceover work for animated films like Disney's Big Brother in 2003. He did some comedy albums. He did some fan appearances at conventions. But he didn't really come back to the silver screen until 2020 to appear in a sequel to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I just wow. – I really respect that decision that his family – needed him and so he was there for them i love that i just i think that makes him a really amazing person makes just a good human being yeah when talking about his like hollywood heyday to going to being a father this is what he said i was working with really interesting people wonderful people i went from that to being at home with a couple little kids which is a very different lifestyle but it was important to me I have absolutely no regrets whatsoever. My life is wonderful. Holy shit. I respect the hell out of that. Right? What an amazing life choice. Yeah. This is this is why I want to take a moment to talk about it. Because, like, I love Rick Moranis. I love Ghostbusters. I love Honey, I Shrunk. I loved Honey, I Shrunk the Kids growing up. I mm-hmm. love Spaceballs. And, like, oh, my gosh. Even Little Shop of Horrors. He's mm-hmm. incredible in Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. And the integrity it takes to going from being that level of celebrity, like he was a household name, to being, I need to be a father. I need to be there for my kids. My wife just passed. Mm-hmm. I I respect the hell out of this guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, that is amazing. Mm-hmm. Wow. And rare. Very rare. Exactly. Uh, the final thing to say on Rick Moranis, I want to leave to Mr. Mel Brooks himself. Rick was what you call a great pain in the ass. That is, he'd always finish a take and he'd say, let's do it again in this next take. Why don't you say this and I say this and you say this? He was always right. Careful, you idiot. I said a crosser nose, not a bit. And he was a pleasure, really, I say pain in the ass, but he was a pleasure to work with because anybody who's so giving and loving and creative... It's very valuable. What's his name? That is his name, sir. Asshole. Major <laughs> asshole. His cousin? He's an asshole too, sir. Gunners made first class Philip asshole. How many assholes we got on this ship anyhow? Yo! Yo! There were a lot of assholes. <laughs> All the assholes were good. Everybody I'm surrounded by assholes. Oh, I'm surrounded by assholes. Uh, yeah, that is an interesting contrast to the the making of Aliens yeah. documentary <laughs> where nobody really has anything nice to say about James Cameron. And James Cameron has nothing nice to say about anybody else, except maybe his stars, except Mm -hmm. maybe Sigourney Weaver. Uh, Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Everyone is super lovely and complimentary of everyone else in the film. And it was really clear that everyone loves Rick Moranis, um, as do I. Just want to take a moment to just be like, this man is worth just noting and 
fuck this guy's i just i just really i just really respect the choices he has made in his life yes definitely giving our enthusiasm for swing dancing yes there is maybe one clip we do need to shove in there regardless of whether or not it has anything to do with space balls my brain is going to the producers no we're in history of the world oh this is one of the ones i haven't seen yet oh then you're gonna love this but i have seen this clip <laughs> <laughs> of course you have. I haven't seen this film, but I've seen this clip. <laughs> I'm very entertaining. I got special talents. I'll show you. Look out. Sand. I gotta have a little sand. What? Sand. You're standing on it. <laughs> sand. You're standing on it. Yes. I did a sand on the stage for the native Shim Sham sand dance. Look out. I'm gonna start. Oh, yeah. Soft shoe tap. Yes. It's Gregory Hines, right? Boy. Gregory Hines, exactly. Yes. <laughs> One of the best tap dancers ever. Hey, what country yeah. are you from? Ethiopia. <laughs> what part? <laughs> 125th <laughs> I'm going to sign him up. Also, like tap dancing in sandals? Uh huh. Girl. Uh huh. And that's the Ethiopian, Ethiopian. Shim <laughs> The originators of the dance all had a little bit of comedy chops. He's oh, yeah. got really good comedy timing. That little absolutely Ethiopia, yeah. like he's got the 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 comedy chops to pull that off, as well as being a top notch <laughs> tap dancer. Hell yeah, <laughs> hell yeah! And I just thought I I just appreciate Mel Brooks shoving a little bit of a tap in his movie. Yeah, yeah it was great. Also, uh, and I got to mention this. Did you know that uh, Mel Brooks had an honest-to-God pop chart hit? When you say honest-to-God. <laughs> For reals, top of the charts. What was it? It was in the 80s. Uh, he made a movie called uh, To Be or Not To Be. Uh-huh. And they did a song called To Be or Not To Be, which is not in the movie. Oh. But he did release it as a video and as a single. And it made it to number 12 in the UK. Dang, I did not know yeah. that. Yeah, it is hilarious. Uh, again, he's going back to the Hitler stuff from the producers. Uh, and he's rapping as, as Hitler. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. oh, I've seen this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I've seen this. I've to seen this. be or not to be. Yes. Open. Don't be stupid. <laughs> be a smarty. Come on, join the Nazi party. Which is also in the producers film. Yes, it is. Um, it is. Yes, no, I've seen that. I didn't know yeah. what it was from. I just... I've seen that. <laughs> yeah. So he makes that and it makes it to number 12 in the UK on the singles chart. That's absolutely How fantastic. amazing is that? Yeah. So good. Yeah. Oh, man. I, for a Jewish guy, he really, really loves coming back to Hitler. He got, he's gotten a lot of mileage out of the Nazis. Really? He did. <laughs> yeah. To all those mothers in the fatherland, I said, Achtung, baby, I got me a plan. <laughs> they said, what you got, Adolf? What you going to do? I said, how about this one? World War II. Um, it's, it's called the, the Hitler rap. <laughs> I love how quickly you were just reciting that. You were just like, no, no, I've got this on lock, Katie. Let's go. Let's go. <sighs> it's, it's in my brain and it's never coming out. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, but that is all the things I wanted to say about Spaceball. Visually, yeah. beautiful. Costumes, mm -hmm. cohesive. Special effects, mm -hmm. gorgeous. It's iconic. It's hilarious. It's mm -hmm. meta. There is some hilarious fuckery behind the scenes, particularly messing with Star Wars. <laughs> One of my favorites. And Rick Moranis is a man we all should respect. 
Yes. Yes. And yes. <laughs> so, Alex, what do you think of Spaceballs? I think I'm going to watch it again real soon. <laughs> I, I like tonight. Uh, it's been way too, it's been years. It's more than 10 years since I've seen it last. Um, yeah. And, and I, I do remember how dumb it is. Mm-hmm. Or do I? Maybe is it even dumber than I remember? I will say I had forgotten how <laughs> I, I, there was a couple elements when I rewatched it where I was just like, "Oh, I forgot about Pizza the Hut. I forgot uh, about that whole too. thing." And that was just yeah. like, "Holy shit, this happens!" Uh, mm-hmm. And then learning more about the fact that it's actual pizza, like it made me rewatch those scenes just to like appreciate the effects man in that costume a little bit more. I felt like he needed more of my appreciation. Yeah. Do we know what kind of cheese? It was cheese pizza, so it's probably mozzarella. Mozzarella. I'm thinking mozzarella. Yeah. 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 Maybe a little bit Parmigiano Reggiano on top, but you know, yeah. just a little sprinkle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Katie, if a person needs to know more about Spaceballs, and I think we all do, yes. uh, where should they go? I will link you to a couple of different interviews with Mel Brooks and Rick Moranis, uh, as well as the documentary. It's not that long. It's only half an hour. It is potato quality on YouTube, so enjoy that. Um, but it's some really nice interviews with the cast and the crew, and they talk a little bit about the visual effects and the costume design, and you hear a lot from Mel Brooks himself. Uh, mm-hmm. I will also uh, link a bunch of clips in case you want to just watch clips, you can also watch clips. There are mm-hmm. so many compilations on YouTube of all the funniest <laughs> moments. And picking just a few to put into this podcast was very difficult. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, would you like to know what the movie was called in Danish? Ooh, what was it called in Danish? <laughs> uh, these days, we don't really translate movie titles anymore. Yeah. But back in the 80s, we absolutely did. Um, and most of the translations were horrible. But Spaceballs in Danish became uh, Rumdullerne, which is literally Space Nuts. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, right? Space Nuts. Yeah. No, because yeah. so one of the – they were really struggling to come up with a name with the film. They had a different name originally, um, mm-hmm. but they wanted the word space in it. Mel Brooks and two other people were just trying to come up with names. And Mel Brooks spilled some coffee on himself, the papers and everything, and went, <laughs> balls! And they were like, oh, Space Balls. Ding, ding, there we ding, go. ding. That's where the name came from, uh, as the story goes. As the story goes. That is amazing. So, dear listener, what did you think about Spaceballs? Do you have any questions or did we leave out something awesome about it? Go to our website or Instagram at Electric Enthusiasm to leave a comment. I have a roundup. Yes. The Golden Globes were recently. And I want to really quickly do a huge shout out to our wonderful Michelle Yeoh and Kike Kwan, who won Best Actress and Best Supporting Actor, respectively, for everything, everywhere, all at once. (laughs) I saw that. That is amazing and so well earned. Yes. So well deserved. I'll also put a link to Kike Kwan's uh, acceptance speech because it was so sweet and so endearing. I've not seen that. It's so, it's so lovely. He talks about the fact that you know, he kind of had like a little bit of a rough middle part of his career, but it mm-hmm. was really great because Steven Spielberg was in the audience. And so he got to thank Steven Spielberg for getting him his start as um, in, India, in Indiana short Jones. It's short yeah. round. Thank you. Um, so yeah, awesome. I will link to uh, their acceptance speeches because particularly Ki Hui Kwan's is really lovely. It's very like pulls at the heartstrings. Um, mm-hmm. But like, Auntie Michelle, what? What? <laughs> 
I love that she's getting her moment now. That's amazing. Finally, it's taken yeah. some time. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so I'm just, I'm very happy. Just wanted to make sure we took a moment to celebrate everything, everywhere, all at once. I might rewatch it again for like the seventh time. <laughs> I might, I might too. After Spaceballs, that's going to be a really nice whiplash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they do kind of have the meta element in common. Yeah, and they're also quite stupid. Bit. Yeah. Yeah. There's that in common as well. They're both very stupid. Yeah. I think if Mel Brooks could have shoved a butt plug into Spaceballs, he probably would have. Yeah. He just didn't find a way. I also I feel like maybe in the 80s that was less cool. I feel yeah. like now people are a bit more chill about sex toys. I feel like if yes. Mel Brooks had access to like the the world of sex toys, I think he would probably use them more. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely <laughs> see that. <laughs> also, next time I probably won't use the word shoved into the movie when talking about a butt plug. <laughs> <laughs> Inserted? No, that's not better. Nope, that's not better. Uh, put into the movie? No, no. Uh, used in the movie. Used in the there movie. There we go. <laughs> so, if someone enjoyed this episode, Alex, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, where would where where could we send them? I mean, everything, everywhere, all at once. Our episode on yes. that it's definitely good. Sci-fi and then the aliens episode. Yeah. For another masterpiece that is also actually very funny in places. Uh, very underrated humor mm-hmm. in uh, in aliens. But which was a complete and utter nightmare. Yeah, not like uh, this thanks film at to, all. No, thanks to the the perfectionism of the director. You know, these two very different approaches show that you can get masterpieces without being a complete dick to everybody involved. Yes. Um, and and Mill Brooks has done that, and James Cameron has apparently not. <laughs> no, the Daniels have though. And the Daniels have. If we're talking about like really great people who were just kind, lovely, and seem to like do awesome things. The Weird Al episode, also a great place to go. Weird Al, also movie parodies and song parodies. Exactly. Yeah. Two for one. Perfect. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Excellent. We hope you enjoyed sharing some of our enthusiasms in this episode. Please visit our website, electricenthusiasm.com, or find us on Instagram at electricenthusiasm to discover more episodes or to leave a comment. And now, dear listener, use the Schwartz. Yeah! Your Schwartz appears to be the same size as mine. It's not about the size, but how you use it. The amount of... I can quote this film so much is terrible. 